Welcome to another figure week, park surface week, organic week. Hey everyone, my name is Ahmed Aldouri. I'm a concept artist and former instructor at Art Center College of Design, Brainstorm, CCS, CGMA, and various other places. And I would like to introduce to you this digital painting course that I've created. But before we get into anything, I just wanna thank you for the support you've all given me this whole time. And with the support of so many of you, I've been able to put together everything I know about painting into this digital painting course. You want to become a pro, illustrator, concept artist, or even just a hobbyist, but you don't have a clear map to get there. And that's where I come in. I spent the last six months compiling everything I know from my 20 years of art practice, and I've turned it all into a map, starting with foundations such as rendering shapes, color theory, painting basic subjects, understanding brushwork, brush economy, all that fun stuff, deconstructing the skull, drawing it from every angle, Angle, all the way to master studies, stylized painting, and you'll find yourself at the end of the course doing a concept art project based on everything that we learn in the first 14 lessons. So how does it work? Well, you sign up, you watch the lectures, do the assignments, post them to the community page if you want, and treat it as a self-study, except for those of you who have signed up for the weekly meeting where I personally critique your work in a virtual classroom setting. I believe learning by repetition is super important. That's what I've sort of presented a lot in this course, and the assignments are tailored for that, as adapted from my time teaching at Art Center. And each of these lessons have step-by-step -step explanations in real time. If you've ever seen my videos, you know exactly how I teach. And this course is intended to be a substitute for a college level course, but you don't have to pay the four or $5,000 per class, racking up maybe 200K in debt. With my custom design course, you'd be paying a fraction of that. And of course, I also have payment plan options if you don't want to pay for the whole thing at once. Thank you for watching this and I'll see you soon. Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of digital Artcast. uh thanks for joining me again on the podcast here um on either youtube spotify itunes google podcast wherever you're listening or watching from i hope that whatever you're doing right now in the world you're staying safe and i hope you guys are enjoying being creative and any projects that you have ongoing and uh yeah just thanks again for joining us and uh we hope you enjoy this episode um speaking about this episode uh, another amazing guest we've got on the podcast as always, I try to source some of the best people I can to find uh, to talk about games, creativity, movies, uh, everything in between. 
um and today we are joined by mr vincent Minier. hey vincent how you doing hey man i'm doing great thanks for having me yeah you're more than welcome um yeah we've uh we've tried to organize this for a bit um try to find days that you're free and times and stuff but um yeah, because you're you're across in Singapore right now, so yeah, it's a bit of a difference. Yeah, so we have seven hours time difference, uh, and uh, we both live busy lives, which means that sometimes it feels like even more time difference yeah, right? yeah. with the sleep schedules and the work. And oh everything. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, uh, uh, we made it. I'm glad. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, the way the world's set up, it's 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 really helping. But I'm hoping, fingers crossed, with the the way that it looks going right now, that um, COVID and you know international travel and stuff is all starting to really kind of go back to a bit of normality so um, I don't know if it's like in Singapore right enough because I did know in the news the other day that um, parts of China were also shutting as well because there was some new variant or there was a kind of outbreak again are you guys okay sure. in Singapore? No Singapore is pretty great right now uh, like the the, the, the the thing so I, I've only been here for a bit less than a year so I'm finding right. out uh, what it's like but mm. uh, the, the, the way they are is they tend to be very strict and have very uh, uh, yeah just strict strict constraints uh but then they 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 modulate those constraints very fast very very fast so uh i think less than two months ago we were even still wearing masks outside and like uh, contact tracing apps everywhere etc etc and like small groups only uh, and and now we can remove masks outside they remove the contact tracing uh it's it's, restaurants don't have to check for vaccination anymore so Mm -hmm. so it's uh, it's a lot more livable at least for me it's like uh you know i uh, I'm not someone that actually enjoys the heat, uh, but in Singapore, uh, it's 32 degrees every day, uh, wow. almost. And so, uh, so it's pretty hot, but that means that wearing a mask outside, I find it pretty rough. Uh, inside, I don't yeah. mind, but outside is really rough. But uh, now it's like I'm living again, you know, it's like it's a pleasure to uh, go, uh, go on walks and whatnot. So, so yeah. yeah, but it's very livable. Like uh, in Shanghai, in Shanghai right now, uh, they, they, they are they have it pretty rough. Uh, they have a pretty tight lockdown for, I don't know how long it's been, maybe uh, six, seven weeks, something like this. Right. Trying to get back under control. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of these things I just want to get back to normal because I'm missing also just events because, you know, all the first couple of years I was trying to basically network and get out there. I was going to every event I could, you know, THU and industry workshops and loads of other things and playgrounds, you know, everything in between. But I've not really been in events since about 2019 we were just talking about that i went to lightbox in 2018 so that was the last thing i really went to before and the restrictions really hit um, uh, yeah i feel you there I, I i really miss events like i used to go to thu every year for a while so maybe we were there at the same time but just didn't meet uh maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, i was there in uh 2018 that was the last time i was there yeah i'm pretty sure i was there in 2018 uh, i yeah. did a few in, in troya and a few in malta i think so the, 2018 was the first year they went to mola Okay, so that I was there. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a lot bigger, I think, in terms of scale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah definitely. I miss it a lot. I can't wait to go back. Uh, there's a, we used to do a thing with a couple of character art buddies of, uh, of mine who live just all around the world. Is right. Every year at THU, we rent a villa together and we go together. And uh, we oh, used nice. to have a fantastic time. And uh, uh, th- those folks are actually a big part of my support system in the art community. So oh, like, yeah. we have a, like a super small Discord, just like uh, 10 of us, where we, we share feedback in, in, in a very uh, brutal way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but it's been awesome because, uh, you know, we, we actually met at THU, uh, I think it was like six years ago or something like this. Yeah. And uh, at the time, everybody was like a student, a junior 
junior or mid or something like this. And now in the group, like uh, half the group is a lead or a super senior on a AAA game or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been awesome seeing the growth of everyone. But we are kind of missing our yearly pilgrimage. So I hope uh, sometime soon we can do it again. Yeah, I was I was tempted this year because I knew they've moved back to Troy now, which I think obviously was the right move. I think Andre was saying that Moller just wasn't right for them, but um, I owe a lot to that year. I went to THU. I met so many amazing people, and it was part of the reason that I got to be friends with Raf Grazetti because he was there doing a talk, and um, you know I just kind of had to offer him, and, and we've been buddies ever since. And yeah, like it's a whole thing where you just meet these connections, and you talk to a lot of people you don't even realize you know how massive an artist they are or what project they're on you're just talking to people like they're people and then they'll be like oh yeah like i work for riot blizzard e whatever you like oh shit you know like it's uh, yeah. i think it's an event in, the, in that in particular it does a good job at breaking down the the walls you know of yes. uh, fame and status and and whatnot and you could just be a you know, having a beer with someone and giving them feedback on something very seriously, like you're giving them advice and then suddenly you realize that, you know, it's somebody who has 20 <laughs> years more experience than you. <laughs> but they were just being very humble no. and everything. It's, it, 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 yeah. it makes no, the it's, fun of it, right? It makes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, it's, it's, uh, it used to be a thing where, where people thought it was almost being rude to raise to start a conversation I'm like oh where do you work because I, I was always trying to like gauge like am I talking to a 10 year vet like <laughs> how many years in the, the, the industry have you been? But, uh, yeah, I think it's also good when you go to those events and you try to not think about like the, the veteran status or the senior stuff. Like, I think it's just it's good to be able to go to these places and just be normal people and have fun and be part of the tribe and, and go to the talks and, and do that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, oh, I do my, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's been my favorite event to go to every year. Uh, and I, I'm really looking forward to go back. And uh, if, if I ever come back to London, I hope. Uh, industry workshops make a comeback as well oh uh, man super fun Uh, i I was able to go only once but i really enjoyed it so yeah i went that was my first event 2016 um met a bunch of people there really early on like like i said i was saying earlier like all of the the cd project guys i met there early on and guys with ccp and some freelancers like titus lunter and stuff and um yeah and then 2017 again i think i went again there 2018 it was the last one, I think, in the fifth year also. I've got actually, there's a, I don't know if you can't see it because it's also next to me, but there's a big, um, one of the posters I got from the five year one, and I got everybody to sign it at the event. So I've got loads of signatures from loads of really awesome artists all like on the, the poster, and I've got it on my wall. So, but yeah, I love Teach You and Industry uh, Workshops are two of my, my favorites. And, and Playgrounds also. And I was speaking to, because we just did an interview with Marek Maggi from CD Project, and we were talking about Wonderland because I wanted really that to come back again. That was a really good event. but um he was saying he's not really involved in it anymore but he thinks at one point once covid kind of calms down they might they might talk about bringing it back so um yeah i mean yeah. those events are always a great uh, reason to travel uh, for the event but then stay a bit uh, before or after you know to visit uh, it's, uh, oh it's yeah really, it's always nice but you know i think the trend is good right now so hopefully uh uh we're gonna be able to see more of them uh and uh we get to uh you know gather more as a as a community which i think is very important Yes, 100%. Yes. So uh, we're talking to you today about your career. Um, and uh, for people who don't know, could you give just a quick intro into who you are and what you do currently? Sure. Uh, so I'm a character artist originally from France. I've been working uh, in and out of the game industry for about nine years and a half now. I can't wait to say 10 years. You know, it's going to sound good. <laughs> uh and uh, currently, uh, I'm based in Singapore, and uh, I'm a senior lead character artist uh, at Riot Games. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, I always have to say it. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm here representing myself, not the company. Yes, not the company. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Uh, um, so if I say yeah. something stupid, please don't go and, <laughs> and say. I'll, try, right, I'll try and go back in there. Right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but you know, I'll, I'll try to 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 keep my uh my French tongue clean tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, currently yeah, I live in Southeast Asia, and uh, you know, it's uh, I've been there for uh, a bit of a, a bit less than a year now in in Singapore, and close to two years at Riot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I mean, like we're talking about, you know, with the stuff you do for Riot, it's mostly R and D. So a lot of the stuff is obviously NDA and stuff that you're working on that's not being announced yet. But um, obviously, you've had a career that spans way way back. Um, then you do 3D character art. That's your kind of main staple. Is that something you studied for originally? Did you go to school to study 3D character art? Was that something you kind of started with? Got it. Um, so I kind of stumbled into it by accident. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, really, I, I, I was I was never an artist. I'm not. Uh, I think I was always captivated by things that were beautiful. So, uh, you know, when I played games, like graphics were important for me or uh, like, you know, like visuals, things like that. But I, I was not like, one of those kids who drew all the time or or, right. uh, or started blender at 14 you know like uh, <laughs> nowadays like yeah, you, you have kids like by 60 age 16 they're mad good yeah so I, I was definitely not one of those uh, mm-hmm. uh i actually uh initially thought i would go to business school because uh, oh, okay. uh my, my dad uh is a is a cfo and i was like oh i kind of enjoy when he talks about it and i felt that in me and so i was like i'm gonna do that mm-hmm. and so uh, i started uh studying uh uh you know uh in a prep school for business school essentially that's the okay. way the format is in france mm-hmm. and i had a very sharp reaction to that it's like it's like oh this actually this is not my people this is not for me you know like right. uh, it, it was really strong and, Good, uh, well, at least you yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the first times where I was like, okay, like this is really. It's not like, oh, I should make an effort and push a bit more, and it's gonna be right. fine. It was like, no, you this is like, wrong. Oh, this doesn't. This yeah. is not the right path. Uh, and and so you know, I went to my parents. I was like, I think <laughs> this is not working out. And uh, and like they kind of know, like they kind of knew that you know I wasn't making something up, and uh, I, I make. I will be eternally grateful to them to, for actually supporting me in that moment because I know a lot of, of parents would have been like, "Well, actually, you started this and you're going to do it." Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so they were they were very they were good listeners uh, mm-hmm. uh, at that moment. Uh, so I'm very thankful. And so I just started scrambling like, "Ah, the year is started. How do I not lose a year? How do I go to some school?" you know right and do something and yeah. so i had applied to a engineering school to become a programmer because that wasn't that sounded interesting i had applied to a, a vfx school you know to do a vfx for movies and the engineering school said it's too late you know you can't register anymore right. and uh the, the the vfx school like the, the cinema school in france they said ah it's too late but their too late sounded a bit flimsy so 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 I started calling them way more and I was like, is it really too late? Like really, really too late? And uh, they were like, okay, come on Friday at 4 p.m. and let's chat. And so they, I had an interview and a test and and five days later, I did my first day of school uh, uh, in, in VFX. And so that's where I started learning, you know, like uh, uh, 3D modeling, but also cinema in general. I think uh, 
one of the things that this school did really well is teach uh, art fundamentals and movie fundamentals. Right. So I had a lot of courses about like screenwriting and uh, you know like uh, movie di direction and things like that. Oh, okay, so, right. So the whole kind of pipeline. So, so a, lot, a lot less technical, right? A lot less like oh, you're gonna do 3D, right? Uh, but I think like 10 years later, like these are the one courses that stay with me and that were the most useful uh, because okay. I think they were the, the foundation of, uh, I guess, they were my first art fundamentals in a way. Uh, so, so I'm actually quite grateful for this. But yeah, that's how I started essentially. Cool, cool. And there was that, I think, where it was specifically 3D modeling that caught your eye more than anything else. I mean, you're doing, was it more prop stuff, environment? Were you doing characters from the get-go? I mean, so I was very uneducated from an art standpoint. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and so very often, if you see like, oh, what do humans relate to? Well, other humans. Okay, so characters, yeah. right? And then, and then uh, you know, the modeling had this magical thing where it was, it was not as technical as something like, you know, like, I don't know, like uh, rendering, which is very technical, right? Like right, yeah. numbers and physics and stuff like that or, yeah. or, or animation where you have to play with curls and, and all mm -hmm. those things. Modeling is very like, uh, what you see is what you get. But, uh, mm -hmm. but I was, so, so, you know, the, 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 the dumb person that I was, the dumb youngster was able to wrap their head around modeling in a yeah. sense. And, and at the same time, I think there was something quite uh, magical about uh, the, the idea of manifesting something from nothing, right? You open the software, there's this empty grid and then you, oh, a box appeared and now you can yeah. make an extrusion and things like that. So I guess there, it was just a very simple straight line from doing nothing to doing character modeling. Uh, uh, at least the way I saw it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think I've always had this affinity where I've wanted to study 2D art and wanted to be in the concept art world. Um, I made a video recently about how, like, I'm going to try and maybe push that in the next couple of years and maybe try and learn to do 2D because it's just something I've always had in the back burner. But I think sometimes I'm always trying to put a square peg in a round hole, if that makes sense, where, you know, when I do anything in 3D, like 3D modeling, like anything within Maya or ZBrush or Unreal, it comes to me very naturally and I'm very good at it. You know, like I, I, I tend to be able to make something in 3D relatively easy. And, you know, I mean, it's not per perfect or anything, but I can model pretty complex objects pretty quickly. And uh, um, I think it's always one of these things that I've, I've maybe fought the last couple of years thinking that I need to be part of the, the cool kids, you know, because concept artists are seen as like the cool kids, right? They're the guys <laughs> who can do the cool, awesome, you know, sketches and, and anatomy and um, all that. But then character, I think I've, I've, I've heard a couple of people who've done the same thing where, um, the, the 3D technical stuff it wasn't as technical but more artistic and it spoke to them more and like you said you weren't one of those kids who was drawn you know all the time from, from a really young age and because um, always there's a thing where people even talk about like to be a character artist now you have to be able to draw also like um, do you feel like it's always just been the 3D stuff that spoke to you more? Mm. So, so, so I mean I took a bunch of drawing classes and whatnot but I, I would say like uh, uh... Uh, I, I don't know that I would put it as a prerequisite. Like, I mean, if if you draw, it's like whatever you do, it's never gonna hurt, right? Of course, uh, yeah. Something more is is never gonna hurt. It's just mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, uh, my mind had a really a certain ease wrapping around like three D objects, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I understand things when mm -hmm. I could rotate them like that felt good to me where whereas right. 2d whereas 2d uh, uh was always a bit uh 
more wow. complex <laughs> for me, like in sense, like, you know, getting the sense of depth on a, on a, on a, 2D piece of paper was was still very uh, I don't know like uh, it's a wall that I, I didn't seem to be able to break. Uh, nowadays it's a bit different, you know. Like uh, it's like uh, uh, I've not conquered 3D like by any means. Uh, of course, yeah. I, I'm uh, I'm uh, you know I'm I'm a decent if character artist, yeah. but I, I I try drawing again like uh, a little bit because uh, I have a feeling like there there are some interesting things to 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 pick up there. But I always feel like it's like it's good to do something else than the thing that you usually do. And suddenly, because you're out of your comfort zone, like more than usually, usually this mm. is where you are more likely to have breakthroughs to happen. Yeah, because you can't fall back on anything, right? Yeah. Whereas in in 3D. I have all this scaffolding of ladders and things that mean that whatever I do, even if I struggle, I'll eventually fall back and manage to find my way to something good. I don't yeah. have that scaffolding for 2D. For 2D so yeah. when I do it, it's like, oh, it feels very risky, you know? Yeah. But <laughs> if something good happens, mm -hmm. I mean, there's the opportunity for good things to happen that may not have happened in 3D because I had that comfort in 3D. So right, I think yeah. it's really good sometimes to change medium and, and to to go look outside of, well, your own beaten path uh, in a sense, because, you know, you, you, you might, you might not learn anything, but you might learn mm -hmm. something that you would never have learned uh, following your usual routine. So makes total sense. Yeah. So you've done the school and you've learned your 3D path. Um, how did you then translate that from school into your first job? And how did that work? Got it. Uh, that's been a bit of a process, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, let me just put the aircon a bit better. It's getting <laughs> warm in here. You take my uh, jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so how did it go? Uh, I did three years of VFX. Right. Uh, and I think after that, like I had some comfort in modeling, but I felt I had a feeling that uh, unless I learned what I thought was drawing at the time, but actually learning to be creative is what I was really thinking at. Mm -hmm. uh, I would get pigeonholed as a technician. Uh, and you can be an extremely good and uh, technician and then you you know you'll you'll have a successful career and and all that stuff it's just it's not how i saw myself so right. I was like if i if i end up being a low level technician and that's my career it's not going to be very nice and it's probably not going to be very interesting uh, long term so i felt i needed to learn to be uh, creative in a sense so mm -hmm. so so i went to a traditional animation school where i learned 2d animation actually um and uh i stayed two years there and uh I was uh, I was quite lucky that uh, a, a good chunk of the teachers were uh, uh, Disney veterans, right? Okay. So even though uh, I still didn't get to become good at drawing, I kind of learned a bit. But mostly, I learned to 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 read the character design. Like that was the the, the biggest thing for me. Is like uh, as a modeler now, I was not just a, a photocopy machine. I, I could actually understand the character design, like what makes right. it good, what makes it bad what makes it translate in 3D well or not. And, you know, even mm -hmm. sometimes improve the design when by during the translation process. So so that's what I learned there. And the school was four or five years, but I, I left after two years because uh, my uh, my dad left uh, to, to Canada to start a business there. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, there was the whole uh, gold rush of like, video games in montreal right like uh, right everybody just wanted to rush to montreal because oh my god like this is where you know the cool stuff is happening right. uh and uh 
and I asked my dad, hey, how about, how about I come with you, you know? And he, he was fine. And so we left both of us uh, to, to Montreal. I stopped school uh, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I had this weird, naive idea that if I could open 3DS Max and extrude a couple of boxes, of course Ubisoft would offer me a job. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, so, fun. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it sounded like a great plan, and and I wish somebody told me it wasn't the '90s anymore. But uh, <laughs> it, it it turns out that uh, no, the the level uh, the level of entry had actually risen quite a bit, right? Yeah. Uh, especially since ZBrush came in uh, came in, and now people had to learn anatomy and do beautiful high poly sculpts and all that stuff, right? Um, and so I I, I went there. I didn't have a working visa. Uh, I was a junior with an extremely mediocre portfolio, uh, like really subpar. Uh, and uh, as I arrived, I do think Funcom closed and there were like hundreds of people on the job market fighting oh, right. for a job. So it was like, it was, it was just the worst uh, in terms of finding a job. And so, uh, uh, you know, I just, I, I applied everywhere and, and, uh, I think I wasn't even in the mindset that I was going to abandon art because I had the feeling like it was very clear that I was not good uh, at this. Right. Uh, and so I wanted to be a game designer. I had uh, like uh, more affinity with, with that because uh, it's more mm. of like, a, I don't know, a, a mental thing. Right. Uh, but then quickly people are like, well, there's no way we're going to hire you as a game designer. Mm. If you work hard enough, we might hire you as a 3D artist. So like that was my new plan. I'm going to get in as a 3D artist and then become a game designer. Uh, but quickly it was like, there's no way you're getting in as a 3D artist. You're just so far from the level, right? Right. And so I was like, I'm going to get in as QA and then become a 3D artist and then become a game designer. <laughs> so <laughs> it, I kept lowering and lowering my expectations, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I'm going to start delivering mail to the building. And then after that, <laughs> I'm going to get in as a... <laughs> oh, man. It's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, it was my first Dark Souls game, you know. It's like getting well, a job yeah. in the game industry. <laughs> As you walked to the building, the Dark Souls music started playing in the background. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much, pretty much. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, but it was wild, you know. I was like, okay, well, uh, how how do I do this? And I had to learn to to be hungry and to really want it. So I tried to find out uh, where game developers would gather after work to have drinks, and if I could, you know, like, hey, can I buy you a beer? And then I'll show you my work, and then you'll tell me it's crap, but you know, at least you'll remember my name. And two years from now, when I leveled, leveled up, uh, you might give me my chance. And so uh, yeah. I think I spent my first six months in Montreal just uh, going to events and to bars and harassing people uh, while, you know, like learning 3D uh, on the side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually I met a guy who was like, uh, hey, uh, I can hire you as QA. And, uh, and, uh, and so like two weeks later, I started at Q- as QA tester on... Uh, Dead Island, Dead Island Riptide, I think, was my first title. Okay, interesting. Uh, and so uh, for a few months, I was QA on a couple of games. Uh, I think I think I'm even credited in an Armored Core game, which I've never played, just because they had to fill a seat in the credits. All right. So they so they, so they, they put my name just because they sold that many seats, and so they they had oh to. Oh my just, god. So yeah. They were like, who wants to be in Armored Core 5? And I was like, all right, I'll go. <laughs> and so I'm in the credits of that game, I think, even though I never played it. I'm also not in the credits of every games I tested, but they oh, hadn't yeah, sold yeah. the seat, but they, did, they needed to do the testing. So I did the yeah. testing, but, you know. So that so was, was this, uh, how it all so started, was, yeah. Was the company you worked for, though, was that a games company themselves or just someone who'd done QA for games? 
Ah no, it was like a QA company, so they would lend their services to uh, to others. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, they had the ambition of making their own games, because mm-hmm. uh, you know they realized, uh, oh look at that, there's a lot of poor souls like Vincent who mm-hmm. have game dev training. Mm-hmm. We can make them 3D artists or programmers, but keep paying them as QA. Right. Right. So, so after some time, I be, I got my first 3D artist title, but uh, with the QA, the junior QA paycheck. QA. Oh, uh, okay. So you know, I, I I remember my my dad was a bit like, so you studied five years to be paid minimum wage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. so I was like, trust me, I'm not gonna. <laughs> you know, have a plan. Have a plan. <laughs> I have a plan. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so that's that's how it all started. It, it was rough, you know. To 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 be honest, uh, I think uh, in those companies you see you see a lot of turnaround, uh, mm. and you know it's not the it's not the red carpets of the industry, right? Of course. Uh, and uh, but but it's a great place to learn. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, of uh, there's a lot to say about starting humbly. Let's say. Yeah, of course. Uh, and maybe I needed that lesson in humility. Uh, probably not. Maybe actually, like I, I definitely needed that lesson in humility when I was uh, 23. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 I, so I learned, you know, like uh, the hard way, and and that was good. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't have it any any other way, you know. Of course. And then, so you're doing the the QA minimum wage 3D stuff, and was that character stuff, or was that props and modeling, or so. The game was obviously very small in scope, and so it was everything, right? So, right, right. Uh, I did some character work, some props work, some some uh, some environments as well. I, I even did level design, and I don't know if I did some UI or something on that game. Right, uh, it was so long ago. <laughs> a one man team. So, <laughs> so you know, to give a bit of uh, of perspective, I think the game was like uh, a game for the Coast Guards of Quebec. Uh, like a small mobile game for children to promote the Coast Guard of Quebec. Like that's oh, yeah, okay. right. So like very very humble beginnings. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It but, wasn't. It wasn't like all these massive big AAA things. It was just like a small. Yeah, exactly. One, like this yeah. is not the story of uh, the rising star uh, having their first <laughs> job on Uncharted Four. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, wandered into Naughty Dog and they gave me a job. So yeah. yeah. But but it's so, good because it 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 really uh, makes you appreciate uh, you know like uh, the breadth of the industry you know because very yeah. often when when I meet students uh, they're like ah, I want to go to Blizzard I'm like okay like that's a great goal but they're mm-hmm. like I want Blizzard to be my first job I was like that's you know like <laughs> that's Hello. a bit tricky so I th- so I think having that appreciation for everything that is out there uh not not only it's good but also when you eventually do uh climb the ladder a bit and get to uh mm-hmm. more interesting positions like you, you you don't take them for granted you know you really value uh the climb and what it got you essentially yeah we had this conversation not too long ago um talking about you know the whole argument when people talk i mean i've, I've said it myself a couple of times that i'm definitely guilty of it but you know, on retrospect now looking back i can understand where i was wrong where I would complain that the bar of entry for games is too high and that people can't leave school and get jobs anymore because, you know, there's there's too much competition, there's too much high standards. But what it really is, is people are more inclined now to start at smaller studios. So if you leave college or university, you wouldn't go and work for Blizzard or Riot, but you might go work for, I don't know, like a small, you know, indie team of 10 people who have their own studio down the road, or you might go for like, you know, a double A AA 
size game or something, you know, lower down. Um, you know, it's not a thing where it's it's beneath you or, you know, like you're, you're seen as a worse artist because of it. It's just that, you know, the bigger studios that have now grown, they only attract high-end talent. And there's a reason for that because they make some of the best games in the world. Um, and yeah, if you want to walk out of school into one of those situations, that's a big ask because then you're talking like you need to walk out of school at a senior level. And that's, I think, almost impossible for most people. It's very rare I've ever seen people. Oh, no, no, know, no. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, there's a case to be made, you know, I think that uh, we, we uh, like uh, in the AAA space, like maybe uh, we, we, we don't do a good job enough at, uh, at hiring juniors. And mm-hmm. this is really a generality because it's not the same for every studio. Like, uh, of course. And by the way, this is like purely my opinion, but like mm-hmm. you will see, for example, like Ubisoft, I think hires a lot more junior uh, um, uh, talent than uh, so- some studios who are like very, very senior focused. Yes. Um, personally, I really like working with juniors uh, mm-hmm. whenever I can. I think that's something that uh, I enjoy uh, because mm-hmm. I think there's a... Um, there are things that junior brings to the table that seniors don't, you know? Uh, one of them is this uh, this this feeling that everything can be done, you know, yeah. because uh, senior people they're like, well, we can't do this because we know because we've tried, right? Right. Uh, but sometimes it's like we've tried in 1997. We haven't tried ever <laughs> since, <laughs> right? Whereas the junior is like, uh, well, it's 2022 now, and I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they might succeed. Let me uh, just stop him blender. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. no but i th- i think that optimism is something uh is something that uh is is a is, is a very healthy thing to have in a team it's just a matter of uh of, of ratio right mm-hmm. uh because uh you know like there's this idea you're gonna have one senior and three mids and then an army mm-hmm. of juniors I, you know, like, I don't think like leaving juniors to themselves is the best way to go. However, if you have a couple of seniors and then a bit less mids and then a bit less mm-hmm. juniors, then it means those juniors get that attention and can be cared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think that's very, you know, there's high value to that. But one of the funny thing is like, like top studios really struggle to find talent. It's so hard to, there's not as many seniors as there are senior jo- jobs open. Right, of course. Uh, and and I kind of think that it's because, as an industry, we didn't do a good job at welcoming juniors and yeah. and and grooming them, you know, into uh, into successful careers. And now we are paying the price because there's a drought of senior, right? Because we are making bigger games, more complicated games that require bigger teams very often. Mm-hmm. But where's the talent? It's not there, right? Yeah. Um, so so. You know, personally, I would say like having a junior on every team, uh, and I mean in every discipline, is probably a, a good uh, a good thing to do. And uh, w- one of the things I remember uh, very fondly uh, at CCP uh, in London, where I used to work a couple of years ago, is uh, we we welcomed uh, two, two two junior artists first as interns, but mm-hmm. then we were hired we hired them as juniors and and. I mean, personally, I think they had such a wonderful impact. It was an absolute pleasure working with them. Uh, they were hungry for knowledge. They were hungry to, you know, they wanted to make their mark. And, and uh, but, you know, they were really good, right? They were like top tier juniors, right? Uh, but but it was great to have them, right? And, and, and so, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend people to sometimes uh, reevaluate a little bit their perception of juniors, uh, at, at least in the AAA space. Like, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I enjoyed the idea of when I talked to um, one of the guys, um, Timothy, who worked at Ubisoft. He was in uh, the Berlin office, but he was saying how they have a structure where it's like they have, say they have one art director for the project. Under that art director, there's like maybe four leads. Under they four leads, every lead has uh, three singers and every singer has five juniors. So it's like a thing where it, it scales down that there's like this pyramid structure basically of like the teams are set in these small like triangles basically um, so that everybody has someone to report to uh, and someone above them, someone below them. So the juniors go to the senior singers to the leads, leads to the art director. So um, yeah, I think that's one of the things that sometimes AAAs can lack is that structure, that rigid structure. But then Ubisoft, I think, are quite adept at building those types of studios. Um, but they obviously, I think that's why obviously the, the juniors are quite welcomed as well. I think because they have so many different variations of projects that they work on all the time. So yeah, I mean it, it's it's project specific and structure specific. I don't think there's like a, you know a golden recipe that every studio can apply. Uh, it really depends on what the needs are. Uh, so so I don't think there's a good case to preach for like one specific structure and whatnot. Of course, um, it's just I tend to be wary of you know the the, the idea that juniors don't have a place in AAA uh, which right. I, I sometimes get the feeling uh, of and uh, uh, but the other thing uh, which which uh, I think people don't know is like they look at like job postings right and there's rarely a junior job posting uh except at ubisoft apparently uh, but, yeah, yeah. but there's rarely any 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 job postings and and, and yeah. the thing is a lot of those job postings gets they never make it to the public it's like they get filled in internally uh not necessarily by internal transfers but it's like we know we're gonna have a headcount open we know what kind of like person we want like the level etc and very often someone knows someone right yeah someone yeah. someone's a teacher at a school and they go like hey uh, i know exactly who i want i got i got three sure kids there yeah. they're amazing uh, one of them is definitely going to want to take this position and boom. Mm -hmm. And then that, that, that role never gets made public. Right. And so mm -hmm. there's the idea that, um, oh, there are no jobs Well, actually there a great number of them is just are never made public, but mm -hmm. those roles do get filled. Right. Uh, so the situation, I guess, is probably a bit brighter than it looks on the outside. Yeah. In that sense. I mean, it's, it's one of these things I think where my strength has lied the last couple of years has just been networking and knowing people and i think that's one of the things that like you said that like you talked about like hunting people down in bars and like you know trying to find people to talk to and that eventually got you somewhere it's one of these things like you know the opportunities i've been given just by going up and talking to people like even someone like raf because raf's you know like a, a huge icon in the industry and a huge character artist but i just offered to buy the guy a beer and like talk to him and uh out of that came an opportunity to work with him on his character course you know like and, and you know that was just by saying hello you know like it, there's so many opportunities that could be missed just by literally going and talking to someone and, and introducing yourself i think as long as you go in with the perception that you're not just walking and talking to somebody because you want a job right you have to try and build a almost a relationship a friendship out of that and then hopefully organically out of that someone with something would come where they might eventually be like, oh, you know, there's this job I saw and I thought you'd be quite good for it. And so, you know, do you want me to put you forward for it? Like, Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, I was offered a few positions that way and uh, I referred a few juniors for positions that way. Uh, but I think, you know, like, uh, it is this, the value of networking is really under, uh, it's under appreciated, I think. Like, people think it's being fake. Oh, I'm going to go be fake. You know, yeah. it's like, no, actually, don't be yeah. fake. Uh, because yeah. when you're hired eventually for a job, 
like uh, a part of that is going to be like your portfolio, right? You need to uh, show the necessarily uh, hard skills, mm -hmm. but uh, a big part of that, uh, and depending on who the hiring manager, maybe a bigger part of that is actually uh, how you come off as a person, right? Uh, uh, I mean, personally, the way I hire for my team is mm. I don't mind going a bit lower in skills, mm -hmm. uh, like hard skills, if the right. soft skills are higher. Because uh, I can train you to do art, like that's okay. Uh, it's a lot harder to train you uh, yeah, nice to, to 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 yeah. You, you can say that, but it's uh, you know to to be driven or yeah. to be passionate about something or uh -huh. to want to learn something or you know in some cases not to be an asshole, but because yeah, <laughs> you, you do you do meet those people as well. Uh, but yeah, because I think you know like. Uh, People's personalities change over time, like that's for sure. Uh, but I do think that people's raw skills in terms of art change faster. Uh, so if you see someone who has the right attitude, maybe they don't have the right portfolio, but they have the right attitude, you either hire them and then you you speed up their growth, or you just keep an eye on them, and then one or two years later they might be like, they might be just like amazing. But maybe by that time you probably lost them already in another company. No, that way. <laughs> Because again, happened. the talent is real nowadays. So sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you have to squint a bit. Um, mm. But uh, but anyways, yeah, I do think people should network more. And uh, um, I think, uh, yes, there's too many times where it took someone to open the door for me, you know? Then, you know, there's still the interview process and all those things. And, course, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, you don't get like a favorable treatment or whatnot. Absolutely like, not. You yeah. don't get hired if you wouldn't have gotten hired. Yes. But the door has been opened for you. And that's very often the hardest part, I find. 100%. Yep. I, whole, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, was that the case, I think, then when, because you were obviously, you were in Canada, right? And you were doing this this job here. But then you talked about working at CCP London. Was that, a, was that the next step, the next jump that you came across to London for? Was it? Oh no, I had many jobs in between. <laughs> oh yeah, wow! Like this was the, yeah, there's obviously a big gap, but yeah. So so you done the mobile game for Fisherman, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then, then was did you eventually get any a game studio in, in in Canada? Was that one thing you eventually actually? Yeah, never made it in Canada. Uh, right. Uh, so so what happened is uh, I, I I was really unhappy at that uh, studio in Canada I uh, because. <laughs> On the one hand, the conditions were hard, and on the one and on the other hand, I wasn't built mentally to be able to endure them, uh, and and I, I wasn't mature enough yet, and so uh, and so I was quite depressed actually, uh, and uh, to the point where uh, you know uh, my my my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, she said, well, you know, you quit, and I'll support you financially. Uh, uh, her parents and my parents also offered to uh, support us financially, and uh, you 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 focus on your craft and and you know you put all your time in just raising that portfolio, uh, because there was it was really clear at the time it was just the portfolio was the blocker all the time. I wasn't right. good enough, yeah. And so I started doing this and uh, you know still being active on forums and going to bars and get rejected every two every two days uh, by every single studio in Montreal. I, I don't know if there's a studio in Montreal who haven't received five applications from me, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so, so I mean, yeah. at least you were trying. You were, you were trying at least to apply constantly. I mean, oh yeah, and then you know, and like, uh, like you know, as my portfolio was improving, I think uh, my ability, my skill set of 
being an applicant also uh, leveled up, right? I got better at writing cover letters, doing CVs and whatnot, because uh, yeah, yeah. I tried everything I could. And uh, But eventually, uh, on, uh, on the ZBrush forum, I saw a guy said, ah, we're looking for someone uh, who can sculpt uh, statues for us. Like, uh, uh, And uh, I saw you had a nice anatomy model there. Uh, would you be interested? And I took an interview and boom, next thing you know, I was flying back to Paris and I was working in the collectibles industry uh, back in Paris. So I never made it in oh. Canada, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> back, to the, back to the motherland. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that you're doing I mean, collectibles seems now even it's like, you know, that's a big enough industry in itself. The collectible stuff, like Saito sure. and things, you know, um, you know, I think even people, if, if you'd even just made it in the, the collectibles realm, it still would have been a success because that's such a huge thing to be on now. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really cool industry, I think, because uh, there's a, just like gaming, but maybe, maybe even more than gaming, I'm not sure it would be interesting to ask people uh, who, who work uh, at, at a high level in both industries. Right. But I think there's like a strong connection with the fan base, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like people go to events to see your statues and yeah, pre-order yeah. them and see like mm -hmm. them unpainted and all that stuff like that. Yeah, That's yeah. super exciting. Um, is that something also that's exciting, you know, as a character artist and a former guy who worked in collectibles that 3D printing is now so accessible? Oh, true. I, I mean, it's, I think we're, when, when I started uh, in, in collectibles, so that was like 2014, mm -hmm. like I think Form, Formlabs was, uh, was rolling out their first printers and they were okay. pretty good. I think it was like, it was like, oh my God, like, like the Form, Form 1 and Form 2 were like pretty good. Uh, right. But then you got all those affordable and very decent printers that came out. Uh, and I, I saw people made side business out of it and stuff like that. Because originally, like early 2010s, like printing something was super expensive. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, even today, like getting a high quality print that's ready for production is like it's yeah. not a cheap thing, right? But if you want to print something for yourself and a couple of buddies, it's like it's doable, right? Yes. Uh, and it's doable at home. Like you don't need to go to a factory or something. No, yeah, yeah. There's there's so many 3D printers that come as just one set, small unit you can put in your desk now. And one of my friends um, uses it to print um, Warhammer figures, you know, like the oh, small. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so perfect for that. Yeah, if they have a gap in the army or something, or you just want something on your shelf, you'll just print it and paint it and, and put it up. So it's a, a thing. But yeah, it's, a, it's one of these things where I think that industry also is now exploding. And um, even the the time I went to Lightbox to um, to go to that event, Raf was um, showing off and, and selling a couple of the collectibles he made. And he did a Nova sculpt that he'd made and, and got it made into, you know, like a full figure that had um, like the joints. They were like magnets. You could basically just stick everything together or it could come mm -hmm, off. Mm -hmm. And he also had these Yoshimitsu statue thing as well that he, was, he sold a bunch of. Um, but yeah, that was all just through a local guy in LA who'd done all that for him, just kind of made a cast and a mold and then made them. Um, but they were also magnets and put together. But yeah, it's like, it's it's very accessible now um, to get into that whole thing. And um, even with collectibles back then, like, you know, it, it seems like the level of stuff that's now getting made is far and above beyond what was even three or four years ago. Um, for sure, for sure. I mean, one thing I'm glad about, to be honest, is just the idea that uh, like 3D modeling can have so much more, so many, many more avenues that it used to have, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, like uh, now you can work in games and films, you can work in, uh, in, um, uh, medical stuff, uh, like oh, yeah, you know, yeah. those collectibles as well, and uh, and I'm sure there's a, a couple I'm forgetting, but uh, it's a uh, I, I find it really interesting 
uh, yeah, you can work in fashion as well. I see uh, now uh, some, uh, so, uh, quite a few fashion brands are working with like Marvelous or Clo3D and oh, stuff like that to cool. prototype early on. So, nice so that's time. pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. At the time, it was very like, oh, you're gonna work in uh, like movies or advertising, and it was like it, you know. And that was the only thing. So much more, like so. That's yeah. There's awesome. there's a talk about recently how just the skill set now is just so overlapped that like you know because everything is almost becoming photoreal everywhere you go. Like there's a demand where people and catch artists can work. You know, like you said in games, movies, VFX, clothing, whatever. You know, like it, the skills are very transferable across all those different mediums. Um, oh yeah, and so. the demand is there. I mean, I think. Uh, Anyone uh, who has a bit of a, you know, a platform on the internet uh, and who is like any good is quite often receiving requests, you know, uh, yeah, of, of various qualities. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, like uh, mix some NFTs, bro. Your <laughs> <laughs> inbox has been flooded recently, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of us. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, it's no, funny no. when talking with the buddies. Did you receive it? Yeah, I received it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we all received yeah. the same email, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please somebody, God, please somebody. Um, yeah, no, it's one of these things. I think three Ds on its rise, and and it's always interesting with capture art because um, again, we were speaking to Laura Gallagher who runs a, a gang as well, and they were saying at the time that you know, I think capture art is perceived in both two D and three D to be one of the hardest jobs in the industry. Do you feel that way? Um, I mean, maybe maybe not just in terms of raw skill, but maybe the just the fact that maybe there's so few character artist positions. Globally. Yeah, so so I think it goes back to what I was saying, like you know, my stupid student mind. I'm a human. I relate <laughs> to human, right? Yeah, yeah. So I do think that anything which has to do with characters, it, there's just going to be more people wanting to do it. Um, so 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 in that sense, there's you know, heightened competition. Of um, however, like hard, hard is like, is, 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 is complex to define. It's like, if you're at the bottom of the mountain right now and you want to start a career in character art, yeah, like uh, uh, the ratio of effort to reward initially mm-hmm. is, is like really not in your favor. It, 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 uh, it kind of sucks, you know, you could put the same amount of work and you'd be a doctor <laughs> and, <laughs> and it'd be like, oh yeah, all good. Uh, my God, doctors are getting mad probably right now. And, no, of course, no, no, yeah, yeah. But, but you yeah. know, to become a, a, a good artist like uh like uh you know just raw skills like raw skills it will take you a couple of years and then to make actual art out of it you know that make take you like you know up to uh up to a decade by 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 uh i mean it depends yeah. you have you have people who grow at di- different speeds of course uh, there's also but, a skill where like you know maybe within two years you could start doing commissions for like you know hobbyists or people who aren't game companies or you know, like you might not get a games job in two years, but you might start working for, you know, a small firm, you know, close to where you live that wants some three D models for an event or something. You know, what I mean, like that doesn't yeah. mean that you'll not be working for ten yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends on the the education path you follow. I think because uh, it's what what I find complex is that there is so much information out there, right? There's never mm-hmm. been as much as there is now, which on the one hand is wonderful, right? You can, oh, I can self-teach on YouTube. Uh, but at the same time, there's so much information that it's really hard to know where to start. Uh, and it's very easy to, to say, take the wrong path, right? So so one of the things I'm quite passionate about is I, I'm uh, quite invested uh, in the education system as a teacher and as a, a, a private mentor. 
mm-hmm. and and very often I find that when I work with students, like it's not because it's me. It can be another teacher who's any good, you know. It's like mm-hmm. in one year they'll grow more than in like sometimes five years with bad education practices. And it was never about their amount of work or how driven they were. It's just like they didn't know, and it's it's so hard to know right mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, until you meet the person who does know and is willing to mm-hmm. share the knowledge um, and 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 so yeah if you have the optimal education path mm-hmm. i guess in free in less than three years you could make money you know like uh, out of your 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 you know your nascent uh, uh 3d skills like in less than three years but for the average person it's probably going to take more right i mean uh for me, I was telling you, it took me five years of studies, then it took me six months of uh, intensive search in Montreal, and then, boom, I was a minimum wage QA, right? So oh, yeah. like, it wasn't a lot to show for for close to six years of investment. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it varies tremendously, uh, but, but I'm glad to see places like, you know, like you mentioned Outgang. I'm actually a subscriber at Outgang. I think uh, oh, Laura's nice. content is amazing. Uh, she didn't ask me to say this, by the way. No, no, no. Uh, well, we do, see, we I don't mean, really I know each other, but if, I, yeah. if, I, if, I, if uh, there's a place I'd like to plug these days, it's, it's this one, because I think like gosh, the, the ratio of quality of content to price is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So you know, let's say you know you follow Outgang and maybe mm-hmm. uh, a few other places, and maybe you hire a private mentor uh, mm-hmm. for for like a one or two years. Man, if you if you have the the dedication, because it requires doing this kind of alone at home, yeah. uh, you you can make pretty big leaps in terms of uh, in terms of your skill set. But then again, it's worth saying too, like not everybody can do that. Some people really benefit from having a structure and a group of friends and an in-person present and mm-hmm. then go get into an art school because that's the thing for you, right? Uh, I think the, the biggest conversation I've had with people recently is the fact that, um, you know, there's a whole movement, I think, of seniors and people who have been veterans in the industry and now starting to build schools because traditional schools obviously can't keep up haven't kept up for many many years and have no way of teaching people over the degree period that will prepare them in any way for jobs um so a lot of the guys now like laura and other people are starting these new institutions that will specifically teach people um in a class kind of structure or a way that will be regimented i mean the one i talk about every time on this podcast is antonio Staparts, who works uh through artwads and artwad you know, is one of the best programs. If you want to learn how to draw in any sense of the word, like that system is incredible. I mean, it, it gives you daily structure, weekly structure, monthly tasks, um, you know, assignments every other day, things to draw. It's it's like going to a school and it's like 15 euros a month. It's like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you a place in the world that would be that cheap to learn. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I just typed it on the site because I'm thinking maybe uh, something I should uh, have a look at. Like I was telling you, I'm trying to learn how to draw again and be better. Yeah. So, so that could be a good resource for me. Yeah. Antonio, uh, he recently done a video with Proko, um, Stan Prokopenko in, in America about how to draw anything in six easy steps. And I think it had something like a couple of million views. It was like one of his most viewed videos. So he had to come back and do a course for Proko where he draws dragons. But Antonio basically, so Artwad is, uh, it stands for Art Workout of the Day. And Antonio basically combined his love of CrossFit and art and merged the two together. Whereas okay. CrossFit, you have like every day, you have regimented like, 
you know, do 100 jumping jacks, 300 burpees, whatever it's going to be. So Antonio will say, right, you know, it, it rotates. So there's one week it's hard surface, one week it's organic, and then the other week it's, uh, I can't remember the third week what it would be. It goes in rotation, basically. And uh, say in an organic week, he's like, right, we're going to draw goats this week. It's goats all week, right? So, so you know, this week I want you to draw this many goats from life study, blah, blah, blah. And then he also does something that's like, you know, do a 10 boxes in perspective, 100 circles. And he gives you your, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Here's everything you do this week. And then the next week, and then it rotates. The next week it's hard surface, right? We're going to draw um, cassette players or, or, you know, radios or something that's, that's hard surface. And uh, then he has, like, even last year he done something really amazing. He had, like, a, a summer boot camp where basically the guys he was training on Artwad basically done a whole project over the summer, like a brief from a client. And they had, like, it was like the Wild West, but it was mixed with fantasy. And then they had to draw characters and props and, and vehicles from the world and then submit them so yeah um, so that's I, i'm really intrigued now so uh, i know what i'm yeah, doing yeah, after yeah. this <laughs> no 100 antonio is a great a great teacher and also uh works within industry so he works with clients like sony and other and other execs and people up at that level and does concept design for them um but he was famous at the time because antonio i think went from not basically being able to really draw properly to working in the industry and about 18 months just under two years oh wow that's ridiculously um, fast yeah super dedicated spent you know se- several days multiple days uh training drawing anatomy structure hard surface perspective just over and over and over and over again and uh and then yeah when he started working he basically started to do some youtube videos where he was talking about doing um like a kind of like zero to hero thing where he was teaching people how to maybe like train like he did and then more people more people were like you just need to set a course or set or do like a huge tutorial thing and then it just basically started the school and um yeah it's been going for i think a little over two years now um he's in belgium so um okay but yeah he's he's quite well respected through a lot of the guys all over the industry know of antonio's work and, and stuff he's done so yeah if you're looking to draw or do anything within 2d um he is the man to, <laughs> to study under so yeah i mean I, i'm definitely willing to to check it out uh i think uh what what's you know what's I was saying earlier, what's amazing is uh, is the variety of the resources nowadays. Because I don't think there's one way to learn, and uh, and there's ways that work for some people and not for others. So uh, I think it's cool to experiment uh, with uh, with various things, especially when you're young and you don't really know yourself yet so yeah. well. So you don't know what works for you. So 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 it's good to try because. I know some people like they try to learn by themselves for a while and it doesn't work and then they go to art school and suddenly they soar, right? Yeah. Of course. And then you have other people who are in the like traditional education system for ten years and they're nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they, they take an online class and work at home for a year and suddenly uh, boom, they're they, they, they go from zero to mid level close to senior. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Oh my god, where did this person come from? Jesus. Like so, here's my here's my portfolio and you're like, Okay, well done. <laughs> yeah. Um but then this is the thing as well because you talk about being a mentor do you, i mean like you're obviously going to agree with me but i believe having a mentor in industry is one of the key essential parts of being an artist i think you know if you look back to even like the traditional artists you know you're talking about the da vinci and stuff they would sire mentees all the time they would mm. bring people in who would study under them would wash <laughs> their brushes for them would you know watch them draw and then try and copy and stuff so I think it's something that a lot of guys say like, oh, yeah, I've not got a lot of time for students or like it's a waste of time because students aren't on my level and blah, blah, blah. But like, obviously you and I agree that mentors are very important. I mean, I think uh, like personally, uh, I do I do see the value. I, w- I wish uh, I, I had uh, a live mentor actually because, you know, uh, I, I like this idea that 
you know, someone can be your mentor and you've never met them, uh, but you you feel mentored by their thoughts, uh, you know, like, uh, or their teachings, which you, you read or whatever, like, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people nowadays would consider themselves mentors of Bruce Lee, you know, for example, right. <laughs> because, because he, he's written some really deep stuff, you know, uh, that, yeah, that can affect people. Right. But, but I do think there's a, there's a great value in, in having a mentor. But there, then again, I don't think every senior artist out there should be a mentor. I think it's something that, uh, uh, like doing and, and, and giving slash teaching, I think are very different skills. Uh, uh, I think you have people who are extremely good at what they do, but they're not so great at uh, communicating it. Uh, on the flip side, you have people who are quite, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say mediocre, but they're, they are, they are, they are, they are not, they are not stars, right? Uh, but they make stars. They're really, really good at at, uh, at teaching and and leveling people up. Uh, so you know that's good. That's good too. Um, but again, it's like, should everybody find a mentor? I think it's like, f- find what works for you. Try it out, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've seen uh, I've seen I've seen all sorts of things happen. But you know, when you do have someone that you you know you you respect and you connect with, and uh, uh, and you know, like they give they give you some of their time, and then you know, uh, you give back by being dedicated to the to the work. Because uh, nowadays, I can't really ask art students to do uh, uh you know my laundry uh so uh, i ask them to pay them it's it's not like the leonardo da vinci days like uh yeah, yeah. He, please go change the tip of my wacom pen yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so so i guess it's a bit more transactional in that way but but yeah, yeah. But, but it's i don't know i i've seen uh i i i've seen kids like go from like you know like okayish junior to super strong junior on lending a job in a year you know uh and just because the the attitude was amazing and 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 to some of my mentees by the end of the day like uh, by by the end of our not relationship but like the mentorship itself it was like sure i was getting paid for this but i would do it even without getting paid because like the relationship we built was so good and and, and yeah, yeah. even Time, sometime after, I still follow their career. We keep in touch, and and uh, and uh, and it's just wonderful, you know. Like some of them just take off, and and I don't know. I I see some juniors I taught uh, like a few years ago, and now I I feel like they they, they outclass me artistically. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Uh, but but it but it's just wonderful following their progress. To be honest. Yeah. No. It's I think that's the one thing I find rewarding and. Even the people are who have, wouldn't say mentored. I mean, the, the people I'm maybe helping with their portfolio or helping at the time, it's like people who are like, you know, either just starting uni or just about to leave or like they've just got into 3D art and they don't know where to look. Like, that's the kind of people I'm talking to. But then I like, even that, when I've seen people like, you know, level up or, or get a wee bit better at something and bring, you know, like, oh, I've done this this week and what do you think? I'm like, oh, it's really good and well done. And um, like, even with the podcast now, it's been going five years. Like, I've had emails from people, like a guy from Australia who a couple of years ago was like, you know, I was really inspired by your story of like leaving your engineering job at 28 and going to like chase your dream. Like, so like I've just turned 30, I'm going to do the same. I'm leaving my engineering job. I'm going back to art school. Like, dude, I was in tears. Like it was, it was incredible. Like just people who were so inspired by what I'd done and wanted to do the same. So I think it's always a a, a thing that people will always, uh, I don't know if it's universal with artists because I know people, some people who are, are seeing an artist or art directors who maybe don't 
you know, see it the same way, but bulky people I know, teaching is one of the things that really gives back to them and makes them feel more whole as an artist. Um, somebody always said to me that the job of senior artists is when they get to the top, they will have to send the elevator back down. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. uh, I, uh, I love that, uh, that metaphor uh and uh and, and i think it's super true but i don't know it's just super gratifying you know when you see someone uh just succeed it's like how can you not feel good about that you know it's like it's, it's yeah. just it's just great uh and you know like uh it's very possible for some people uh, i mean i don't count myself uh, among them but uh that you know you've reached the top of the industry you've shipped six triple a games and you know, you feel good about your art and, and maybe that's where you see your impact more now, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, uh, again, I'm <laughs> nowhere near that level, but I'm sure some people feel that way, but it's wonderful because they end up being like super positive uh, uh, influences uh, in the in the community. And, and I don't know, I think the impact they have sometimes is, is, is a lot greater than, I guess institutions. I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. but I, I, yeah. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. I think it's even when people come from a certain part of the world, like even like you know, I don't know what the scene like is in France with artists, but then if you're doing stuff, you know, and, and people are, are realizing like, oh, he came from you know the place I came from, or speaks the same language, like it's always a positive thing when people are like, oh well, if he can do it, you know, I can do it too, and, and he's the inspiration because he came from France. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, in general, I think it's important to share stories. Mm. uh because people relate to them uh and and that's what like often gives them the inspiration and uh and i've heard a few people say well i don't know i don't want to really talk about my story because it's boring or it's the, the it's the it's the same as someone else or, or this or that and, and uh, i think i don't remember who i heard saying that maybe that was chris doe uh mm. said, like everybody's been everything's been said that's true but right. no one has said it your way of course and i was like huh you know it's like it sounds simple but it's actually very very very, very true it's like uh yeah yeah like you know you go and see those uh the, those like uh, popular movies the story mm -hmm. in many ways it's always the same right but the good movies they tell it in a new way right so so i think that that's that's uh that's what you should aspire to is to yeah. find your own voice not to you don't shut it, it down yeah. right I mean, it's like, you know, when Matt Reeves was writing the script for the new Batman film years ago, people were saying, oh, you know, Batman's been done to death, you know, what what can you bring it that's new? But then, of course, the film, I mean, in my opinion, is one of the best Batman films I've ever watched in my life. I thought it was incredible. And, uh, like, his voice in that was obviously very unique. And it's what, like you said, like, people think that the idea you have or the, the perspective you have in life or the journey you've took through art is, you know, very typical or, you know, loads of people have done it before. What makes you different? Well, you're an individual you're a unique person that's what makes you different and you only do things the same as everybody else you might have went to school you know like and done it that way but you might have you know fallen off the back of a wagon and just went 3d because you had no other way of, of of learning it i always say the best thing about this podcast is i always pose the same question to somebody how did you get in, in, into the industry and everybody has a completely different answer for that for sure. question for sure i mean there's as many paths as there are people uh yes to be honest so yeah and you I see some so. weird paths like some weird paths. yeah <laughs> i was a circus clown for 10 years and somebody one morning had to model something for us for the show and i thought oh i might fall into this career and yeah it's like 
Who knows? But yeah, it's, I always uh, think of Chris Costa was a banker until age 27. It's the best example of like yeah, yeah. starting late and then just killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad because I started, you know, I, I didn't graduate university until I was 32, 31. And, um, um, and then, yeah, I was always kind of, I felt like I was behind because I had so many people at the back of me who had already had 10 years careers. So I felt like I was catching up. Um, but then I met yeah, Yama Yobarev and Yama obviously came in the industry very late as well in his late 30s um so you know i'm like if he can do it surely anybody can so yeah it's never a thing yeah i think with the 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 right approach and dedication you can quote unquote catch up pretty fast yeah yeah. uh and you do see some people starting late and in 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 three years time they don't have a career they have a name it's like people, yeah, yeah people recognize it and i think jama was a perfect uh, yeah jama's like uh, a perfect example, example of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's like worked on star wars worked on everything else you know like yeah he's, he's done really well for himself so um, oh, yeah. i mean what a joy to see his stuff i uh, i'm always uh, excited when he posts uh, yeah especially with the new companies down now where he's making the 3d assets for like unreal and stuff like it's uh um it's really incredible to see what he's doing with industry and, and changing you know that he's he's had this you know whole career in concept art but now he's basically changing the way how people make it it's like a whole other thing it's it's crazy for so. sure it's uh yeah it's it's the next stage right there was photo bashing and now there's like model bashing <laughs> that was unreal yeah that was even different unreal. Unreal. yeah people were using blender for so many years to do to comps and stuff but now unreal is like so powerful that we only know five people are just making stuff in that and taking photos and that's pretty much you know um, the way the industry is going, I think the real time stuff is definitely going to win over. So, yeah, and it's just the beginning. I feel yes, We're, we are just seeing the the tip of the iceberg, and it's yep. going to get yep. crazy in the next decade. I, I could imagine, surprised. yeah, definitely. Um, well, okay, right. I've taken off enough of your time, Vincent, but uh, <laughs> we'll end it there. But uh, but yeah, um, we'll definitely try and get you back on at one point. Um, I'm sure we've got plenty more we could talk about because uh, I think you're one of these guys that. I could probably talk at length with different subjects and you'd also have a really good opinion with it. So um, yeah, it's been a great pleasure talking to you and I hope you've enjoyed it. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always a sucker for these kind of conversations because there, there's interesting things that come through. Uh, you know, you told me about artwork, so I'm going to go check that out now. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, 100%. Uh, every, I honestly need to start taking a commission every time I recommend artwork to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking that people are... Where, where's my 5%? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, he's uh, he's been a sponsor of the podcast for a while, Antonio. So we have a deal worked out where basically um, I get access to the course and he and I advertise on my podcast as, as program. So, yeah, so it's been a good workout. But, like, yeah, no, Antonio, is, I, I would do it for free, honestly, because uh, um, his course is, is, you know, it's sometimes criminal how little people know about the things he's doing and how it changes every day. And even now that he's formed his own concept studio, um, and he's actually taken students who have been long-time students since the course started and they're now working under him as concept artists. Um, it's crazy. It's like the whole mentee thing we talked about and, and growing people. Like he basically, one of his, uh, so his first people he took on Alex, like he was a student and started the program when Antonio launched it and three years later um, is now working for him as a full-time concept artist. So um, crazy how that's kind of came full circle. Um, but yeah, amazing. Well, there you go. And I'm sure if you'd ask him, uh, he'd say it's probably just the beginning as well, right? Probably yeah, of course. Big plans, no, so. Big plans for Artwood. It's just, like I said, it's only a couple of years up and running. But yeah, he's. I think he eventually says the end game is he wants to make a brick and mortar school in Belgium and have people oh, come damn. to the school. 
Um, there is good talent in Belgium. Like uh, for such a small country, I think uh, like uh, you, you, I mean, you see some good stuff, right? Uh, yeah, Bram Bram sells is out of Belgium as well, and he's a really great artist as well. Um, yeah, he was... I mean, yeah, they do uh, the Divinity uh, series, and now Baldur's Gate three over there. Oh, of course, yeah, that's yeah, some yeah great video. stuff, right? Uh, yeah, Baldur's Gate, love it. Yeah. And, uh, the 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 two uh, the two interns we took at CCP, they were from a school in Belgium, and they were oh, killer. Nice. Uh, so. Uh, so no no I do think there's a there's an untapped talent pool uh, if you ask me. Yeah definitely a small the small countries around Europe are definitely just hot spots. Um, so yeah. Anyway okay right yeah so uh, if you guys are listening to this point uh, thanks for listening of course um, and I hope you enjoyed it also. Um, you can check us out on Google Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, YouTube of course if you want the video version um, you can see our lovely faces. If you have any feedback or comments any likes you want to leave for us that'd be great help us promote and uh yeah we'll just uh we'll see you guys in the next episode um thanks to you for listening thanks to vincent and uh see you later bye guys good one folks see ya